0: The Dudes of Kung Fu podcast is brought to you by Wing Chun Illustrated magazine. Wing Chun Illustrated is the premier publication for Wing Chun. Published six times a year, Wing Chun Illustrated is a perfect bound, full color, glossy publication. Each 60-page issue comes packed with in-depth content and feature stories by and about the world's greatest exponents of Wing Chun, regardless of lineage or style. Wing Chun Illustrated has featured people like Imin Bostepe, Philip Bayer, Yip Chun, Gary Lam, Donald Mack, Samuel Kwok, David Peterson, Chan Chi Man, Mark Phillips, Wan Kam Leung, Sam Lau, Robert Chu, Sifu Sergio, Victor Ken, and many, many more. There are two ways you can enjoy this fantastic publication go to wingchunillustrated.com and order the magazine as a print on demand. The print quality is simply amazing. Or download the Magster app and get a subscription. That's Magster, M-A-G-Z-T-E-R. This way, when the new issue hits the stands, you'll automatically receive it as a download onto your smart device for offline reading. In fact, with your new Magster account, you can access the magazine on multiple devices. iOS, Android, Kindle Fire, and web browser. To make the deal even sweeter, listeners of the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast can use the coupon code DUDES to get a six-month complimentary digital subscription. That coupon code is DUDES, typed in all capital letters. Go to Magster, again, M-A-G-Z-T-E-R, to register, add the six-month subscription to the cart, and apply the coupon code at checkout. The Dudes of Kung Fu love Wing Chun Illustrated magazine.
1: Hey all, welcome to the podcast. Uh, This week, one of our biggest supporters, in fact, our biggest supporter, uh, John Turnbull joins us on the podcast as a as a third dude for the week. He runs an awesome school in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, it's, he teaches Wing Chun and Tai and Tai Chi. And um, this was a really informative podcast because you know we talked about the differences in some of the different school schools of Tai Chi and um, and even some of the different schools of Wing Chun. And a little bit of a comparison between Tai Chi and Wing Chun in regards to center line and things to that effect. So I found this to be a really fun and informative podcast. So sit back and enjoy, guys. Dudes of Kung Fu. Please welcome your host, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. hey everybody and welcome to the welcome to this week's podcast how how you doing Alex doing good man it's good to see you again I wish I could say the same but you know <laughs> you got you got some like scruffy beard thing going on now what's that all about
0: just trying to look a little bit older than 16.
1: Eh, it's not working you look like a 16 year old with a beard how's your week how you been eh, me I'm good you know like uh, you know how it is I live a uh, I always have I live a boring life I'm happy. I'm a happy guy. Married, kids, job, and guitar. That does <laughs> and this podcast, that's my life. Awesome. But listen, yeah. we didn't get blown up this week. That's uh that's a big thing.
0: You know. Yeah, what what happened to the last episode? It didn't go up yet.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, last episode that that's that's going to go up. That's uh John my my son John the producer of the show had to he's been working 15-hour days at his job, so God it yeah so mm-hmm. that'll that'll go up this weekend and um but i'm talking about the you know the bombs and everything in new york city
0: uh, it's kind of business as usual for anyone who lives in new <laughs> right, york that's, I don't that's true too it's yeah. not even really that exists it's just kind of like all right so what's the traffic situation today that's <laughs> right, exactly right it's exactly
1: right how, how was your week
0: Super busy, uh, just teaching every day, training, uh, lots of students, lots of projects coming to a head. You know, pretty much uh, pretty much the same as always. I think people have no idea how much work is involved in running a full-time school. I might as well work for somebody else with the number of hours I put in.
1: Yeah, I, um, I like that Alex during the week had sent me a, a little snippet, and literally it was just like a paragraph or two, of um, what you're working on for your new book on Chi and I'm I'm, I'm yes, absolutely yes, yes. looking forward to that. That should be a great book.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I sent you just like one. Most of the book is very instructional. It's it's written very neutral. But there, there's one part where I rant a little bit. And and I sent that part to you. I thought you might <laughs> like it. <laughs> I bring up
1: the best in Alex. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Really good. So we have a guest on our show tonight. We have... Um, this 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 gentleman has been a, a huge supporter of the podcast for a long time. And um, he is also a huge martial artist. He's doing martial arts for a lot of years. And um, I want to welcome Mr. John Turnbull to the uh, Dudes of Kung Fu. How are you, brother? Hey, doing good, guys. How are you? Oh, doing good, doing good. Um, Alex is not talking right now because, well... We shut off his microphone periodically just just for the hell of it. <laughs> so, what part of the country are you in, bro?
2: In Cleveland, Ohio. Oh,
1: I'm so sorry. You're in Cleveland,
2: Ohio? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Now, was that like a
1: punishment or is that a.
2: <laughs> uh, well, maybe, but uh, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm English originally, but I uh, moved here with my family uh, almost 30 years ago and actually enjoy it here. So it's, it's, it's a neat, neat part of the country, really.
1: That's cool. That's good. That's good. Yeah, the, the Cleveland, just like New York, and it, it kind of gets that reputation, everybody thinks it's a certain thing. And it, and it's never like what people think it is like, I, I'm always defending New York to people. They're just like, I'm sure you have to defend Cleveland and wherever the fuck Alex lives, you know, he can defend what he lives. But uh, it's I'm sure it's a beautiful part of the country.
2: Right and it's one of those cities where it's actually the the native clevelanders beat it down more than the people who move in. Yeah, everybody who moves to cleveland loves it here so.
1: Oh, that's good. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So, what you you have your own school, right? Right. Yes. And what's the name of your school?
2: It's Immortal Palm Martial Arts.
1: Immortal Palm Martial Arts. And what what art is the focus of the school? What's the the like if you if people if people are going to walk into your school what art are they signing up to learn
2: so the two main ones we do are wing chun and tai chi so we focus on the the chinese martial arts um so it's it's mostly wing chun and tai chi is kind of the second art that we do
1: oh okay all right now i we we've, we've spoken about this off air before but I'm going to, you know, Alex and I will be asking you questions that, you know, we, we've spoken about before, but we want the people to hear. What lineage of Wing Chun do you do?
2: So, with the uh, Longsheng lineage. And so, my instructor trained with Kenneth Chung, who's one of Longsheng's students.
1: Okay, well that, that's what they, So, now, me as mostly a JKD guy, and I only know one. Lineage of of Wing Chun. Alex will have to pick up the uh, slack here and explain to me how that's different than the Wing Chun that I know.
0: <laughs> you mean how Long Song is different from Moyet? Yes. No, they're hundred percent the same. Didn't you know all Wing Chun <laughs> is the same eventually? Well, well why Ultimately, why would it be we, different? We, <laughs> they all
1: those. We are
0: all one family. Sure. There are no differences. I, you I you don't understand how that could possibly bro, happen. Ju-
1: you have Yip you're Man. Just being political, he, man. Yip Man invented Wing Chun.
0: Mm-hmm, obviously, in his
1: basement in Hong Kong. Basement? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. His rooftop in <laughs> Hong Kong. Right? And, like, they all, like, beat the shit out of each other up on the roofs. And Moyat won. And everybody else is descended from that, right? I mean,
0: that's something like that something like that you know actually not to veer too much off topic but i was watching somebody my students always send me like links and videos and stuff i'm sure it's the same for you like they send you stuff sometimes it's stuff you've already seen and sometimes it's stuff that you just have zero interest in and somebody sent me a link of donnie yen in on chinese tv like something recent and he was demonstrating like something on the wooden dummy And it's funny because when you see Donnie Yen demonstrate Wing Chun live like on TV, you actually see that he is not the Wing Chun master that he plays in the films because you essentially see – I mean it doesn't matter what version of the form you do, but you see that there are like clearly holes in his knowledge. So he's doing this random demonstration on the wooden dummy, and then he's got like all these people behind him, and then he starts doing the Siunam Tao form, and he starts kind of like – riffing it and the moment he starts riffing it you realize ah this is where he ceases to know the actual form (laughs) and then he just jumps into like tai chi and wushu and everything like that and but he is he is without a doubt the biggest star um at least in the chinese speaking part of asia and what i thought was interesting in that moment i thought you know there are so many people who became rich and famous because of grandmaster yip man So, obviously, Bruce Lee learned from Yip Man and becomes, you know, the the undisputed king of kung fu and movie star and legend that he is. Right. Donnie Yen plays Yip Man when his movie career was failing and it brought him back to life. And he is the top paid star right now. Right. Um, Other Wing Chun Sifus, Leung Ting, all sorts of people have made a huge name for themselves because of yip man the only one who never got rich being yip man was yip man (laughs) (laughs) and it was like i i think i remember reading something like at the time of his death he had like you know maybe the equivalent of you know two to four thousand dollars in his bank account or something like that right right so um you know it's it just kind of it was it just kind of hit me in that moment how many people um, whether they are directly teaching Wing Chun or they're somehow in the entertainment industry, how many people have essentially prospered because of this one guy who came from China where the, he himself never actually had that in his lifetime? It's kind of, kind of interesting. Our podcast, Dudes of Kung Fu, which is mainly Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do, would not be possible if not for him. And we're raking in so much cash from this podcast. It's not even funny. I am
1: right? almost ready to retire. I am almost ready to retire. Not quite there yet, but I'm ready to retire.
0: (laughs) So uh, the the Leung Song lineage and the Moyat lineage are, I mean, like many uh, traditional strains of Yip Man Wing Chun, they have a lot of similarities. I think the similarities are probably a little bit closer than the differences, especially between those particular styles, right? You might find more difference uh, between the Leung Song and but maybe what maybe I mean, like when you, more- when
1: we've had Jim Roslando on the show. Yeah. And you know, you explained to me that, oh, this is really different than what we do. Like I, I didn't know anything about it. So I didn't know if John's lineage is, how much different is it than what we do? Well,
0: no, I mean it, it, it's it's very clearly uh, you know from from the yip man line. It has okay. all the signatures of being yip man Wing Chun. Actually, you know what's funny? Even though the Jim Rosalando Wing Chun has a lot of differences, like the the Leung Chun Pinsan Wing Chun that he does, actually I find it has a lot of things more similar to Leung Teng Wing Chun than some of the other lines of yip man Wing Chun. It's very interesting, and so um, you know when when you look at like some of the deeper signatures. You see some things that are the same, even if the technical expression is different. But uh, both Moyat and Sung lines it, it tend to be pretty faithful to uh, what you see Yip Man doing in most of the footage and 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 you know photographs and stuff we have of him.
1: So, John, in your school, what order do you teach the uh, forms in?
2: Um, so, typically, we do the the tao um, first, and What we do, I think, a little bit differently than everybody else, is we actually start with a wooden dummy um, almost from the beginning. Oh, okay. And... Is that the traditional set, or
0: is it like exercises on the wooden dummy?
2: So, it's the set. We break it up into uh, ten ten sets within the the form. (coughs) And so, we go through those, and it takes a while till you get all the way up through the full form. Right. But... Um, we'll, we'll start with kind of exercises and drills on the dummy pretty much right away. And then, you know, probably within the first couple of months, uh, you know, into the first set on the dummy.
1: So so, so your students are learning uh, first form, so, so them down right. along with the, the jang. Correct, yes. Uh, okay, that's interesting. So like if, so, if they were learning a, a, a movement in the first form, then I guess you would teach them a, a drill on the jong so they can practice and, and I guess reinforce the lesson from the form on the jong.
2: Right, so it's both that and then also just, um, you know, as they're learning the the single arm chi sao, uh, you know, again, if you have an odd number of people in class, the odd man out can always practice on the dummy. They, sure. they know something that they can practice on the dummy. <laughs>
1: Right, right, right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Sure.
2: Yeah,
0: it's interesting. I I think um, uh, some schools do that, especially more in the modern day. I, I also have some some basics that we make the beginners do on the wooden dummy, like things like steps and basic drills and Um, stuff that's not actually the wooden dummy form itself, but it's like things that the students are doing at their level. They're just doing it on the wooden dummy. So the wooden dummy becomes that, that partner. Like if you have an odd number of people or something like that, it's a real, it's a real simple de facto extra training partner. That's kind of sitting there in the corner. So we do that, but but it's not, it's not the traditional set, but it's, you know, like I said, like basics and things like that too. What about, what about you, Sean? Do you ever, do you ever put a, a, a beginner on the wooden dummy and have them do basic stuff?
1: I I don't normally do that. Um, I usually I now I know in, in, in Moya lineage it's it's usually the three empty hand forms then the zhang. Yeah. But one one of the reasons I always say like I don't represent any lineage because I don't do it do it the exact way everybody does it anyway. I, I tend right. to think like, you know, after you do the second form, I I, I introduce the dummy then at that point there. And yeah. um just a little bit, because I mean, for a couple of reasons, you know. One, it's just everybody's dying to touch the fucking thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like everybody's, and I, I want people knowing what they're doing before they break it, and um, for themselves, and, and I, right? Exactly, and you know, by by then they're 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 pricing them, and they want them in their living room anyway. So right. it's like you know, let, let, let's, let's let them play with the let's let them play with the ball, and and then play with the jong a little bit. And, and yeah. I do think that, you know, so many people practice on their own. That having the zhang and at least having the ability to intelligently use the zhang is important. Um, right. I am sure that there's a reason I'm wrong. But I really think that, you know, I, I kind of actually like what you're doing, John. I, um, I, I think if people are going to use the Jong and they're going to, especially if you've been around for more than, like, say, a year, they should be able to do it without hurting themselves. And, and I think having an instructor introduce you to it the correct way and work with it the correct way is uh, beneficial to you, them, and the school. I, I, I think it's a good idea, actually, I, you know.
2: Right, and even if the first thing is just learning how to press against the dummy while keeping your structure, you know. Don't push yourself back. Don't lean into it.
1: Right, right. Excellent. That's an excellent point. And and I kind of feel like it's. <clears throat> I like the whole getting doing a little bit of a deep dive on the dummy after the second form because I kind of feel like you know in the way I look at Wing Chun is you know the first form like if you take structure, first form will teach you structure. And again, this is just in the way I look at Wing Chun. Um, the first form may teach you structure. Second form teaches you how to move while keeping structure. And I so I, I say in third form, Buji teaches you how to recover structure, right? But if if you if you're gonna have the first and the second form and now you've learned you've learned what you know, you learn what center line is, you learn what structure is, you've learned now how to move with it, you should be able to do it with the jong and kinda of test yourself a little bit. I I, I kind of feel like it, it makes sense to do the jong earlier than later. Especially if you, you know, if your students are the type where, like, I don't have a commercial school. You guys have commercial schools. So the guys that train with me are lifers usually. You know, it's, it's guys that are, you know, they're, they're, they're in this for the long haul. And I'm, like, I'm sure that's the case with you guys. But, like, I don't have 40 students. I'll have two downstairs at the same time. So these guys, are, you know, they're, they're looking at the jong every night. Let, 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 let's let them touch it. You know what I mean?
2: <laughs>
1: you know, and Alex, in your school, I mean, there's... How many chongs in your school? It's got to be four, Four, right? I mean...
0: But that we have two floors, so we just have two on each floor. I usually have a tall one and a short one.
2: So that way everyone has one that they can work on.
1: Right, right, sure.
2: Well, and, yeah. and do you guys actually feel the same? Because we actually have three in our school... And they all feel very different, which is a yeah. good thing, I think. Of.
0: Yeah, for sure. We have uh, two of the the more modern spring frame dummies. That's the one with the big spring on the bottom of the, the main part. And then it's got some springs against the wall. So that has a different feel because if you pop it down with a juts out, it kind of bounces and resists. If you use scissors, ganzao, Kwanzao, things that go a little bit to the side, it'll it'll kind of bounce back and resist your arms a little bit. But we also have the traditional slat frame dummy. Well, Traditional, I mean, even the slat frame dummy, people forget, is a product of the 1950s. Before the 1950s, before Yip Man came to Hong Kong, there was no such thing as a slat frame dummy. The, the wooden dummy was a piece of wood you put into the ground. Right. And um, and half of, half of the dummy trunk would be under the ground and the other half would be above it. And that was the part that you used. But when uh, Grandmaster Yip Man moved to Hong Kong, that was not tenable. You cannot... You cannot put a piece of wood into a floor on the fifth floor of the building. <laughs> so um, people always forget, like when you watch a Kung Fu movie that's supposed to be in the Qing Dynasty and the dummy is on the slats, like it, that's a total anachronism. They weren't they weren't like that back then. So um, we have two slat frame dummies and then two spring frame dummies and even the two spring frame dummies feel different from each other and the two slat frame dummies feel different from each other. So yeah, it's kind of nice. You can train different things on the different types of dummies and could have different focal points.
1: Yeah. I I have two, I have two different jongs. I have a, a slot frame dummy as Alex described it. And I have something called, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it. The warrior jong from many years ago, they came out. It's it's like a, it's a, it's a PVC dummy. It was done really well and, um, wooden arms and it has like a, a weighted water base. So it's, 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 it, it definitely has an absolutely different feel than the slotted traditional Jong. And, um,
0: yeah, but how many arms is that bro? I saw a dummy once had like eight arms.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, mine only has three. I, that's lame, bro. I cut the other five <laughs> off, dude. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's always kind of ridiculous. Like, people are always looking for these odd gimmicks. Like, there was that, that octopus dummy that had, like, the eight arms. And, and you know, and then there are people who put, like, they take out the arms and they put, like, super long, like, rattan poles in there instead. and. And the idea is what ends up happening is you end up doing a bunch of techniques that are suited for this piece of equipment that you're using but this isn't necessarily something that translates into you know in, into hand fighting skills and so there's a lot of cool looking stuff you can do you can make the dummy spin you can add more legs you can add more arms you can paint a face on it you can make the arms super long but the thing is that the, the standard Wing Chun dummy is made that way for a reason because this is, this is meant partially uh, to work as a protractor to correct the angles and structure of your positions. And it's not just something, you know, th- it's like they always and, and we've discussed this before, Sean, like one of my issues with Kung Fu people and training equipment. And I don't know if this is like because of years of Kung Fu films, Kung Fu people like gimmicky training equipment. You know what I mean? They like it like the wooden dummy already. Like if you if you show that to a boxer, that thing already looks super gimmicky as it is. Right. But it's like Kung Fu people are like, no, 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 hold my beer. I'm going to put super long, (laughs) floppy arms on it and uh, and maybe we'll even add extra ones. And then let's make the thing spin. And and the more you dive into Wing Chun, the more you realize how actually unnecessary those things are. They just become these little kind of time wasting gimmicky things that, you know, will earn you 2000 likes on Instagram. But this is like this is very little to do with the nature of somebody punching and pulling their hand away very quickly, which is the nature of real fighting. So I'm always like very cautious when people go and do those gimmicky things but like you know i remember i saw your dummies when i went to your basement the pvc dummy is pretty solid there's a lot of good pvc dummies out there and it's a great cheap alternative to like a full wood frame dummy so yeah it's just you that that dummy you have though doesn't have a leg though right it's just got the base no it's got a leg oh it does have a leg okay sure yeah That's it's got
1: cool. a leg and it's got the, it's got and a leg does that him.
0: interfere at all with the base or how, how well does no that, how does so that work with the, the base
1: is a triangle and the ah. dummy comes down into the point of the triangle that's facing you. Got it. So, and it's, it's, you can whack at this thing pretty good. It's like when I first saw it, I thought it was going to turn over or something to that effect. I mean, it's gotta well, be because, almost a hundred pounds worth like of water in it. Or what?
0: What? You, you thought it was going to turn over because it wouldn't like you or what? Well, first of all, everybody <laughs> likes <laughs> me, Alex.
1: <laughs> everybody, this is not you. Everybody likes me. In fact, people have t-shirts that say, I like Big Sean, not the other guy.
0: I would totally wear that shirt. (laughs) Actually, we should make that shirt. That's a great Dudes of Kung Fu shirt. You know what? I like Big Sean, not the other guy. (laughs) (laughs) I would wear the hell out of that shirt, man. That is so great. Just think of all the money
1: we would make just selling the shirt to your students
0: that's right we could finally really retire cuz we're just like 30 <laughs> t-shirt sales short of being able to retire on all that dudes of kung fu revenue that's coming in daily so yeah um, i think i think it's time to do so it so
1: one thing i want to talk about real quick was the you mentioned the those big long floppy arms and i have some friends that post videos with that um one the one i have one friend of mine that does that a, a, a lot and i don't know i don't and this is on me I don't remember him ever doing empty hands versus that and I could be a hundred percent wrong but mm-hmm. the first time I ever saw him doing that was with um with the with i'm gonna say the a pole. long pole but it's not a long pole it's, it's like six foot long the pole mm-hmm. yes and and i thought that looked pretty cool because it was like pole against pole and i think he was doing it with the um Dao as well. Right, right.
0: Yeah, that, that's actually a legit um, training method. So um, even uh, one of my Hong Kong instructors, um, Steve Carson Lau, when I was learning the long pole, he, he, he would have me take one arm out of the wooden dummy and put a long pole, like the full on long right. pole in there and then use that to practice some of my basics. And sometimes he would even like tape up part of the pole and then I would have to, like, hit it accurately on that one part that had the tape on it. And he, he had all these, like, like super cool training methods for that. And that's good, especially when you don't have a training partner. And the uh, the first people I think who did it uh, called the um, the Guanzhong, which is the pole dummy, were the, um, the Wang Chun people, the, the, um, the Eternal Spring guys. They have one that has like a multiple long poles sticking out i think like six of them so that means you could also do the low strikes and the mid strikes and the high strikes without having to change the position of the pole because you had like six different ones at different heights okay and then i think everyone else has basically kind of done some copy of that and i think that's great especially when you don't have a partner um for me though i'm always like as as i can imagine most jeet kendo people are like it's like yeah all that like solo stuff is super great and super important but the second you have a partner there you should be working with a partner 100 you should have somebody actually hucking a weapon at you rather than just because you can do all sorts of cool looking stuff when that thing is not moving and it's great to practice but you know why don't why do kung fu people spend so much of their imagination coming up with a gimmicky way to train the weapon instead of i don't know just training the weapon <laughs> like you know it's like you could also just do it right so i think that some of those some of those things are like they, they just appeal to the guys who just you know are into like the weird gimmicky stuff
1: well i'm into weird gimmicky stuff but not so much with kung fu um,
0: <laughs> well we talked about that your twitter obsessions oh wait no that, that was wasn't else. me <laughs> <laughs> and, and i
1: checked a couple of days ago he's still at it Yes, he hasn't got the memo. Clearly, he He hasn't got the memo podcast and he's getting (laughs) he's getting freakier, folks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny. After you you mentioned that on the podcast, for those who missed that podcast, a couple podcasts ago, uh, Sean mentioned that there was somebody who's maybe a Sifu of note um, who uses social media, perhaps a platform very well known to our U.S. president. Um, But this guy is perhaps not aware that when he likes certain things on this social media platform, everyone who follows him sees the things that he likes. And some of the things that he likes are, well, they're I'm not going to say questionable. Every man has their tastes. It's not for me to say he has his needs, Alex. (laughs) It's not to say that another man's tastes are weird because they're not my own but his tastes are now very well in the open. (laughs) So let's put it that way. And I believe that if he had listened to our podcast, he would have changed that right away because I'm pretty sure he would know that that was him. Oh, that means
1: that son of a bitch doesn't listen.
0: He does not listen to our podcast. (laughs) How dare he? he?
1: (laughs) This is not good
0: we got to get the word out there man if all the first of all if all eight wing chun famous wing chun people are not listening to us who is like, who is actually listening to this podcast right? That's if funny. not for all eight of the most famous sifus the only famous sifus ever in, in this martial art
1: so john tell us a little bit about the um tai chi that you do as well now do you teach both arts or do you have one teacher you know they have a different teacher for the different arts and and and, and tell me about the tai chi cause i'm a little interested in that
2: Yes, yeah, so I teach both the uh, the Tai Chi as well as the the Wing Chun, and so we do Chen style Tai Chi, and so yeah, that's kind you're of you're gonna the, have
0: to explain that to Sean when you say Chen style Tai Chi. I know there's Yang well
1: style, be. Chen style, and Are some you? other fucking style. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and you know what Chen style looks like, right, compared to the other ones.
1: Chen style is more uh, physical; it's more about fighting, as opposed to. The other ones which are more meditative and well, ex- Sean,
0: you you are you are mildly impressing me with your knowledge of something outside of JKD. I am mildly impressed by you right now. That is incredible. I sat I sat
1: more- I sat next to a guy who does Tai Chi for twenty five years. Oh <laughs> got it. Got and he it, and he thinks it. that the bullshit Tai Chi I'm sorry, he thinks that the Tai Chi that he does is the same as my Ji kun do. So
0: it is, isn't it? Isn't, isn't Jeet Kune Do just Cantonese for Tai Chi?
1: A little bit. So, (laughs) okay. I I think I annoyed him one day by saying I thought Wing Chun was a combative version of Tai Chi. Uh And that that pissed him off to no end.
0: And then he definitely challenged you and showed you that you were wrong?
1: Well, he, 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 he challenged me and just said I had to push him a certain way. Uh-huh. And but I'm, I'm sorry I don't mean to make fun of Tai Chi he did, yeah, he did Yang style so I know nothing about Chen style other than him telling me that Chen style was more combative that um, and, and then if you were interested in the fighting version of Tai Chi that you're much better served by going to Chen style but he wanted to do Yang style and learn how to dance so mm. so tell me about Chen style though I'm interested in hearing about it from a man who actually does it
2: and so yeah, I mean as Alex was saying that's um, pretty accurate in that um, you know the chen style you do have the you know the change in pace when you're doing the form so you know the the punches are actually punches it's not just a slow movement of the hand through the air and right right the vague direction of a punch and as you're know, one of our students who came from a young tai chi and when his school shut down he came to us and enjoyed it but it was like after the second class he was like this isn't old lady tai chi right right exactly (laughs) and so so we do there's a you know it's a it's a fairly long form it's a 74 75 move form that we do
1: and when you're doing the form properly about how long does it take you
2: so it'll take if our normal speed is probably twelve, thirteen minutes. If, okay. if you're doing it kind of slowly, you can do it in twenty minutes. If you rush it, you know, right 9, sure ten. Yeah.
1: Okay, that's interesting. Now my my buddy that does Tai Chi, and that's where I'm basing all my Tai Chi knowledge on just from conversations, he does Yang style Tai Chi and he his teacher to I guess offset the way Yang does things teaches something called the 10 tui, which is like a spring leg spring leg. Well, okay. So he describes it to me as, as like these 10 short fighting forms. And again, it may be something his teacher just invented in trying to downfall. I know, but, um, <laughs> Is this something that you... From the expression on your face there, it doesn't look like something that you do. No,
2: no. We don't do that. So, so yeah, we, we do the form. We do push hands. Um, and so, in some, in some respects, it looks similar to a G-cell. Okay. In that it's, you know, it's a two-person drill. You're pushing on each other. Sure. The... Kind of the the energy that you use is different in that you know, Wing Chun in essence you're trying to punch the other person. Tai Chi you're trying to push them over. If you look at it simplistically.
1: Okay, I like that. Um So there's there's actually Wing Chun people. I'm sure you know that like that have tons of videos of them just pushing, right? That's uh that's uh, right. <laughs> that's big with um. Oh geez, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Doesn't matter. Um, Gary Lamb, right? Gary Lamb, they're always pushing into that. He
0: uses a lot of pie. that one section from the Right, right, right. The, yeah, yeah.
1: But I'm I'm more interested in from someone like you who does Wing Chun and Tai Chi. When you talk about like, say, centerline in, in your regards to how you apply centerline, like when Wing Chun, Alex and I will say like, you know, we're big on like a, a, attacking center, controlling center, we never give up center. Now, when I, again, uh, this may be just the way my friend does Tai Chi. He often talks about when like, so if I attack him, he won't stand and defend center. He'll move center. And he calls it actually giving up center. So, like, he'll move his center line completely to the side. Like, how do you see, like, center line with, if you're looking at, if you were looking at center line, I'm sorry for being obtuse with this question just like if you're looking at center line and i, I looked up that word before i know what obtuse means alex Go fuck
2: <laughs> <up>.
0: <laughs> See, he knows he knows exactly why i'm laughing i'm like well big word for sean it's not a big word
1: it's five <laughs> letters dickhead so if you were looking up if you were looking in relation to center line is there a difference in the way you teach your tai chi and your wing Chun? it's actually six letters I don't count the O because it's a vowel. (laughs) Who counts vowels? What's wrong with you? God, Germans, man. five letters. Jeez. (laughs) It's actually
2: six.
0: All right, but anyway, I know it's tough to count. Sorry, John, we didn't mean to interrupt you.
2: And so, I mean, center line is something which comes up, you know, I think a lot more saying center line in Wing Chun than it does – in Tai Chi, you almost talk more about the center. If you're trying to feel where the center of the other person is, so you can push against it.
1: Okay, that, that's actually what I mean by center line. I mean that, um, that 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 goes from the top of the head straight down through the core of your body.
2: Well, and again, I think that's kind of the Wing Chun idea, because you're trying to strike towards that, right. that line. Whereas the in tai chi you're trying to feel where is the center of the person like the one spot both vertically and horizontally so you can actually you know where can you push on them and they just don't turn and you end up pushing against nothing which is you know they turn the center out of the way
1: hmm that's really interesting so the okay so that that's interesting the idea of trying to locate the center both vertically and horizontally as opposed to just looking at it as this vertical center line you're also mentally trying to find that horizontal center line that's that that is interesting i like that
2: yeah and so it's um you're know, doing push ends or cheese cell the nice thing about doing both is you know, if you're doing wing Chun against wing Chun, you kind of know what to expect right and yeah it's a little it's almost a little bit like you know grappler versus striker if if you have both tools in the arsenal if somebody's doing very much Wing Chun stuff you can bring in the bigger circles from Tai Chi turn the other person if somebody's trying to do Tai Chi then Wing Chun can be very effective right because they're not expecting that just straight up the center
1: sure sure oh well, that, that's really interesting now just just my dork question for the for this is since everybody likes to play with the toys do you do the tai chi sword yes. is that part oh, so that's part of chen tai chi as well
2: right so we have sword spear um, oh really yeah spear form is kind of fun as well
1: yeah, that would be fun. I didn't. I didn't know that there was a Tai Chi spear form. That's
0: yeah. There's some styles of Tai Chi that use a spear that's uh, longer than the regular spear. It's quite similar to the Wing Chun long pole in length.
2: Right, and some of what it trains is you know very similar to the Wing Chun of you know you're building up that that punching power. You know, in effect by stabbing with the the spear. And because you have that extra range, you're you know you're working on your precision and all those good things. Right, right,
1: right. Well, that's that that's that's really interesting. I I've I've always been fascinated um, with the comparison between Wing Chun and, and Tai Chi. I I because I, I, I do see a lot of the similarities when it comes to the principles and just at the way that they're trained and the principles are are enforced. just at least from what I've seen, completely different. Again, now my only exposure to Tai Chi was from my one friend showing me what he does with Yang style. So this is not saying all Yang style. I'm just showing from my one friend who showed me what he does with Yang style. I, that's where I based my knowledge and opinion of of, of of Tai Chi. So when I don't mean to piss off everybody that does Tai Chi that's going to come over here and beat me up in slow motion. So I just... <laughs>
0: You ever see that you ever see that uh, old video on YouTube where it was like the tai chi tournament and uh, the tai chi <laughs> dudes were battling it out but it was like all these slow motion fights and the guys like sending his arm really slow to the other guy <laughs> and then he touches the guy's arm and the arm just breaks <laughs> like the, the, best, part, great video the best part the best part about that like video the yeah. best
1: part about that video is the color guy the guy that's doing <laughs> the play by play and the color he's like yes. oh here comes a punch oh it's coming No, no, it's coming. It's coming. It'll be there in a minute.
0: (laughs) That is awesome. That is really funny. Really funny. Um, So not to be too much off, but we've mentioned on the podcast before them, um, Ben Judkins, uh, he's an author who wrote a book on the history of Wing Chun, and it's been also recommended to us uh, by a number of different people that maybe we have him on the podcast. John, did you read Ben Judkins' book, The Creation of Wing Chun? No, I have not. And, Sean, well, you don't read, right? So it's, it doesn't mean... Okay, sense you me keep on you that, saying
1: right? this. I read all the time. I just Ob- don't read...
0: Obtuse the... is five letters. I said five <laughs> letters. You said six. No, it's six. It's, I'm joking. It's six, Sean. It's six. You know, I'm going to kick you in the balls. <laughs> I think balls. you're forgetting the E at the end. It's not obtuse.
1: I'm going to kick you in the <laughs> balls so hard that haircut's going to be back in style when you wake up. <laughs>
0: so anyway, I got I got the book right here. Oh, how I, is it? Uh, what? Um, so I... I I started skimming it because I'm I'm in the middle of reading four other books right now. I um, But I'm definitely going to get to it because I mentioned on the podcast before that um, I never really felt that there was an adequate treatment to the history of Wing Chun. And, of course, everyone's like, oh, you got to read um, Ben Judkin's book. I I read a couple of Ben Judkin's articles before, namely he wrote a, a pretty big lengthy piece about the Wing Chun knives, which I thought was a, a great and well-researched book. Uh, article i i I didn't 100 uh agree with all of the conclusions but it's not necessary for anyone to agree with anything and still like the reading right right. so um i i got this book uh i i had skimmed uh, chapters of it before but now i i'm like "Uh, i i want to read it before we discuss it even further and um you know what's weird for me is all the books on the history of Wing Chun or any of the books on the history of Chinese martial arts in general, I've read all of them. So the problem is like Ben Judkin's book is very well researched, but to a certain degree, all the books that he used to research his book, I've read all those books myself. Right. So it, so if for me, because I'm an uber geek, it reads like a compilation of other things I've already read. I can almost while I'm reading it go, oh, he got this from uh, – uh, you know, from the book about Jing Wu, and he got this about the book about Chinese manuals, and he got this mm-hmm. from the VTAA book, and he got this from Leung Teng's book. So it, it for me, it kind of reads that way a little bit. For somebody who's never um, really did any kind of uh, deep dive into the Wing Chun creation story and, and what the real history is, it for sure is very, very interesting. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the book is very interesting. I think it's very well-researched. Um, The only thing it does suffer a little bit from something that I almost find inescapable for most Wing Chun books. Um, And then if if Jim and I ever get around to writing our history book, which Jim and I have talked about, we're going to try really hard to avoid this. No matter how impartial somebody tries to be in terms of writing the history, you always find there's a little bit of skew to their lineage. And it's not necessarily like that he's doing it out of malice or that it's something like that it's superly overt or or that the book is tainted. But um, Ben Judkins uh, clearly comes from the Yip Ching line or at least some derivative of the Yip Ching line. And so on the parts about Yip Man, it takes a slightly Yip Ching centric view. Many of the books that he uses to quote. Um, the, the parts on the Yip Man, uh, uh, story are, are from Yip Cheng books particularly. And he tends to agree more with the Yip Cheng side of things. And so, um, I, I think like if I wrote a book about the history and it was somewhat Leung Ting centric, people would smell that a mile away. But I smell that in every, like I can, I I can, I can see it. Right. There's even, uh, um, there's even one part, uh, which is really funny, uh, there's a and of course it's going to sound like i'm taking a long-tang centrist view on it but I'm no no not. don't say that no all right there is a if, if there's anybody who's who's pretty vocal about long-tang it's certainly me but there's there's one page in the book that has a map of all the places that yip man taught in hong kong right like where he first taught like the restaurant union and the sam taiji temple and Lei Cheng Ouk estate and all these places where Yip Man taught in the various periods of his life, right? And there's one spot where it says where he taught. And that spot is supposed to be 440 Nathan Road, which was the first site of the Wing Chun Athletic Association. Uh, John, did you have a chance to go to the Wing Chun Athletic Association when you were there?
2: I walked by it. I did not get to go into it.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But uh, so you've the current location of the... Wing Chun Athletic Association is in a, a part of Hong Kong called Mong Kok. And it, it's actually bordering the next part of Hong Kong, which is technically Prince Edward. You can actually take the Prince Edward MTR to get to the uh, Wing Chun Athletic Association. But it's kind of the northernmost port, uh, uh, part of uh, Mong Kok. But that is, that, they moved there in the very early 70s. At the very beginning of the Wing Chun Athletic Association, it was at another location on 440 Nathan Road. And uh, which is a little further down south in Yaomate. And at some point, uh, Yip Man and, and the crew, they moved it to the new permanent location in Mong Kok, the location where it is now. But for the first couple years of the Wing Chun Athletic Association's existence, it was on 440 Nathan Road. Now, when Yip Man moved the Wing Chun Athletic Association to Mongkok, A young Wing Chun instructor by the name of Leung Ting took over the old premises that used to be the Wing Chun Athletic Association because uh, uh, Leung Ting was the head instructor for the Wing Chun Athletic Association while Yip Man had retired. And then when he moved the premises, Leung Ting decided to open his own gym and he took the old Wing Chun Athletic Association as his premises. So and Leung Ting has been there ever since. So the, the location where Leung Ting is still teaching 440 Nathan Road is actually the original site of the Wing Chun Athletic Association and there are certain factions within the Wing Chun family that have gone to pretty extensive lengths to deny this piece of history, the fact that the Wing Chun Athletic Association was a different location, the fact that Leung Ting was once the chief instructor for it, and the fact that Leung Ting's current school is the old premises of the Wing Chun Athletic Association. And these are all very minor, minor facts. But for some reason, there are certain factions within Wing Chun that just want to pretend like it never happened, like the Germans pretending the Second World War never happened. Everything was fine. We had cake. All right. <laughs> and so <laughs> And so on the map, the location that is supposed to be 440 Nathan Road, the former uh, Wing Chun Athletic Association premises was changed to be Queen's Elizabeth Hospital. <laughs> like, no, no, no. He never taught at this because lo- Queen's Elizabeth Hospital is literally right behind Leung Ting's gym. And I don't remember and I don't I can't imagine Yip Man teaching Wing Chun inside a hospital. All right. But uh, whoever gave Ben Judkins this information went to went to the length of totally pretending that there never was a Wing Chun Athletic Association at 440 Nathan Road. It was instead a hospital. And I'm sure tea was served and he was just there for a short time. So when you when I see that little piece of scholarship is a little bit off and a little bit sloppy. You have to kind of wonder about some of the other parts. So I think that Ben's book is probably strongest when he's not talking about Yip Man, when he's talking about the prehistory of which. And he rightly says in the book, we know very little of before Leung Chan. We don't have anything that's really verified. So and he was very open and honest about that, which I liked. So. Um, Yeah, I I looked. I mean, I basically scanned the entire book, so I'm going to go back and then read it with a fine tooth comb. And then um, and it's possible after I read the book thoroughly, I may have a completely different outlook. Um, What I literally just told you guys was my first impression, having admittedly only skimmed the book. But when I go back and read it a little bit more deeply, maybe I I may I may come back and say you know what I was totally wrong. But that's just my impression as it is right now. I think maybe might be a good idea to have him on the podcast after I finish the book, and uh, I'll make a Cliff Notes version for Sean so he so he knows what it's about.
1: I can I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna order the book, <laughs> dickhead, because <laughs> I'll be honest with you that's a, one of the weakest parts of my game as far sure. as like I, I know very little about the history. Uh, you know i and and quite frankly, it's never really interested me that uh, much at all um but it, it, I guess just in in hearing Jim talk about it a little bit and hearing you talk about it a lot, i could <laughs> i I have developed an an interest in it and yeah, um yeah. i you know I'm going to uh do they have a version of it where they only use small words or
0: uh, no, unfortunately, there are a lot of big words. Oh, like big obtuse, words,
1: obtuse
0: and <laughs> like six-lettered words. Is there Chinese and, uh, words in there? Yes. Yeah. It's also a little strange. Like he, he, he uses a lot of the Mandarin spellings of names, uh, including people who are in Guangdong. So he, he technically should be using the the Cantonese spelling of their name. So as somebody like like that, that's always something that kind of takes me out of it for a moment. When somebody who's clearly a Cantonese speaker, their name is written in Mandarin. It's kind of like it kind of it kind of breaks me a little bit. I think that's something that uh, another uh, that maybe when Jim and I make a book on Wing Chun will will be very, um, very mind. John, to- I just want
1: to noted that my podcast partner now has twice referred to. Him and Jim writing a book, but never me and him writing a book. <laughs> yeah. Never once did he ever well, Jim, bring that well, up.
0: Jim knows how to read, and Jim also knows something about the history. When I want to write a book about Kung Fu Tales in Brooklyn, I know who to go to. That's right, bitch. Yeah, yeah. Is, wait. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, right. Sean, Sean you were in Brooklyn, right, right? Right?
2: right? Yeah, you jerk.
0: Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it,
2: got it, got it. Oh, my yeah, so, God. Yeah, so I'll, I'll
0: yeah, definitely, I'll definitely ask you about it when I when I write that book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so,
0: J- John, uh, have they ever talked at all about the history of Wing Chun in your line? I mean, most Yip Man-based students tend to just kind of tell the, you know, the origin folklore of, you know, the nun and, uh, you know, Leung John Leung Bik, like the usual suspects. Uh, does your line have any any take on it that's outside of kind of what everyone else says?
2: No, not really. So um and at least personally you know probably a little like Sean. i you know what the history is before then has never been too much of an interest yeah and you know kind of with the different lineages it's you know you kind of expect every instructor is going to do things a little bit differently sure so was, you know pretty much when i started it was you know is the instructor i'm going to doing a good job if they are right. then yeah, it might be interesting to find out whether it came from, but yeah, rather than... I think the,
0: I think the problem is that, I mean, honestly, most Sifus don't know... But it's always to the degree that which they say that they are certain of something that they don't know, you know, and and I think that nowadays people tend to be a little bit more honest of like, you know, truthfully, we don't know. I think back in the days it was like, no, 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 Wing Chun comes from the nun and Yim Wing Chun and she taught her husband or her husband taught this guy and so on and so forth. And that was kind of. Always, it wasn't even disputed, but um, it's pretty clear nowadays that the whole, you know, nun story and all that is 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 clearly isn't a part of the story. Like
1: someone was looking over the fence, looking at somebody. Was that uh, no? That's no, no, the no, TWC part.
0: I, I, think, I think you're thinking of uh, William Chung's uh, take on 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 the Leung Chan story. Um, but um, in in terms of all the stuff I've read, I mean, uh, William Chang is the only only person who's claimed that wow. as an issue. Um, I've never heard anybody else even discuss that. And Jim, of course, who practices long john Wing Chun. If you look at the long john Wing Chun system, um, even though they they don't use the the forms the way we do, but when you look at the actual techniques, it looks pr- like pretty standard yip man Wing Chun as as one would recognize it. Um, it it does not look so much like uh, the traditional Wing Chun of uh, William Zhang, but you know, um, you know, these are all. <clears throat> These are all very, uh, very difficult to verify stories, you know, and and so um, that's also a topic for the
1: book as well, you know. So John, tell us a little bit about your school. What's the atmosphere about? Like, is it a is it a very uh, formal, classical type school? Is it more of a gym atmosphere? Is it, it you? What 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 what? And, and you know, what what do you like? And how do you try and keep your school? What's 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 its what's its personality?
2: And so I mean it, it's, yeah, you know, it's definitely a friendly place uh, for people to come to. Um, our Wing Chun classes they're two-hour classes, um, and so it's, yeah, you know, somewhat structured. And that the first, yeah, you know, the first bit is warm-ups and calisthenics and getting people moving. And you know, everybody does the Sulim Tao form and some footwork drills and so on. And then pretty much it's, you know, splitting up, working with a training <coughs> partner, doing, you know, doing cheese Um I make sure I, you know, work with everybody and that, you know, everybody gets to work with everybody else, which is, right. which is a good thing to do. And, but it, you know, it's a, it's a pretty relaxed, everybody, you know, works on what they need to work on with, with everybody else.
1: Okay, so you structure, like, you structure the class. First, we're going to do this drill, then we're going to do that drill, then we're going to do the next drill. Or do you more say, like, all right, um, I want to start off with this. We're going to do this drill and then let the seniors run the class kind of thing.
2: And and it's, it's really pretty much, um, you know, people will pair off and work on whatever point they're at. And so, you know, the the senior you know or, or I'd say actually the junior person kind of sets what the level is that they get up to oh, okay right, so right, they practice sense. what they're up to uh, and then as I say I get to work with everybody and make sure everybody's doing things right and when's the right time to to add the next drill in for for anybody
1: sure sure and what do you do like um like Wing Chun one night and Tai Chi another night or do you have like multiple classes How do you do the scheduling there?
2: Um, so we have multiple classes. So we do an hour of Tai Chi first and then two hours of Wing Chun.
1: Oh, okay. Wow. And when people join your school, is it like they can join just the Wing Chun program or just the Tai Chi or they just join the school and you can take whatever class you want? How do you do that kind of thing?
2: And so most most people will start with one or the other, or the Tai Chi or the Wing Chun, just because trying to learn two different things at the same time. Sure, is... absolutely. <laughs> right? No, absolutely.
1: I can barely I can barely walk and chew gum. I'm not, you know.
2: <laughs> right. So it, you know, it's you know, usually you give people six months or a year doing doing one, so they know the principles, and then if, sure. if they're interested in, they can pick up the other one.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's 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 very cool. That's very cool. Now, do you do any of the other... Uh, classical Chinese weaponry? Okay, because there's... Basically, I'm going to say this. There's nothing fucking cooler than that rack of Chinese weapons you see in some...
2: Yes. You know, there's like... Some, I, <laughs> love, I love
1: seeing
0: that rack. Like, you see that rack weapon and weapon you got, weapon.
1: like, that half-moon thing going on and the Quandos the and there, that just looks effing cool. I couldn't use any of them but they look awesome
2: right and so yeah i mean we have the, we have the weapons and know the forms we don't do them that often right it's kind of uh you know most of the time we're doing the empty hand forms and sure, sure. getting to work with each other but you know the quandao is is fun i mean that's that's almost just a workout it's it's lifting weights but you get to have fun doing it so
1: i that that's something i've always wanted to learn i you know that that's on my like on my list of things. So one day I want to learn how to use the Kwando. I uh, I just think yeah you should you should ask Maxifu man, uh,
0: especially if I get him over to New York again or if you come to Hong Kong. He's literally an open book, and he would like show it to you. And the crazy thing about him is, he, first of all, you go to his school and he's got the rack and the wall and everything full of weapons, and he knows how to use every single one. But the crazy thing about Maxifu is. He can tell you why the weapon is designed that way, why the handle is like this, how you cut, how you like why right. you would use this weapon over the other one. He's not just like he, the guy he's He's a does pretty cool form. dude. I like Max. He's cool. amazing. He's absolutely amazing. And and um you know, it, it it's really rare to see somebody who's so fantastic at everything he does. And I remember mm. I mentioned on the podcast before we go, um because my students who can barely keep like Sunum Town and Chum and Buji together. You know, because the bar is set so low in Wing Chun. We have so few forms. They're always like, oh, God, it's so difficult. And then comes Maxivu with, like, hold my beer. How many forms do you think I know? <laughs> and I remember one of my students at the anniversary last year, they were like, you know, hey, Sifu, how many um how many forms do you know in Hongkun? You know? And he just kind of, you know, he kind of shakes his head. And he's like, I don't remember if I have the exact number right, but it was something to the tune. He's like, you know. Oh, when I was a kid, you know, or actually when I was younger, I knew, I don't know, like 35 forms, <laughs> you know, including like the weapons. Right. And he's just and he's going, ah, but, you know, I f- really forgot a lot. I'm so old now. Maybe now I only know 28. <laughs> 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 and, and I just like looked at my students and go and you guys complain about keeping like the basic Wing Chun hand forms straight, like. Oh, Sifu, which, which – the, the long pole form, dude, we go on that side. It's like the long pole form is super short. How can you, like, like just watch him move. I always tell my students, like, especially if they're learning chumkyu and they – you know, it's a little bit difficult for some people to learn the coordination of the forms. They go, all right, I want you to go online and type in gongji fukfukun, which is, like, a very basic uh, hungar form. It's the, the eye-pattern tiger-taming form. And just watch that and realize <laughs> – that's their version of Siunam Tao. And that thing takes like almost five minutes and it's not five minutes of slow movements repeated. It's five minutes of all
1: sorts of stuff you've got to be able
0: to do. And it's just really incredible. Such a different paradigm than uh, Wing Chun people are used to.
1: Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. You know, when I met Mark Sifu at your, at your anniversary party, he was just such a complete gentleman to me. Yeah, I, I really liked him and, and and online he's very nice and he puts up these awesome videos I I don't think people realize like the wit like yes yes he's he's so sharp and he he's almost like and I mean this sincerely in a respectful way he's almost like a, an actor like the way yeah. he, he the way he kind of presents himself on the screen like you know he just kind of like has his little swagger about him. I just think he yeah, is. Yeah, he's cool. He's
0: the real deal. He is the Kung Fu master from that movie that you learn from. He is
1: so awesome. He is so freaking awesome. And, and yeah. I mean, listen, that would be awesome if one day you can get him to come to New York again. Absolutely, man. And he'd, he'd show you whatever
0: you want to see in a heartbeat. He's an open book. And, and his knowledge of weapons, like... Um, he's broadened my knowledge of Chinese weapons in general, because obviously Wing Chun people have a very Wing Chun centric view of everything. Sure. And so he will then like tell me about the history of like the style of knives that we use and why different styles use them the way they do it and why Wing Chun is this way and the other style is that way. And they and he has a much more holistic approach to Chinese martial arts than other Hongar people right. who are also very centrist. Um he he like really opened my eyes like with the pole and showing me how to determine what is good pole fighting what's bad pole fighting independent of the style right and it kind of like completely changed the way i look at uh, how to use the the weapon so i think that you know it's, it's like travel you know having a, a a friend who's a master in another style that's an open book it, it broadens the mind for sure oh yeah and I think that's great what would you know john has the the tai chi going on and obviously has a an open mind to other things as well, and that, that does nothing but broaden the way you approach the single arts that you teach as well, and the students can only benefit from that.
1: So John, tell us, um, so what's the, what's the full name of your school?
2: It's Immortal Palm Martial Arts. And what's the address? It's 2435 Superior Avenue in Cleveland.
1: Cleveland, Ohio, nice. And if people were going to find you online, where would they go for that?
2: To immortalpalm.com.
1: Immortalpalm.com. Right. All right, cool, man. This is we we Of course, we didn't get a chance to talk about the topic we said we were going to talk about.
2: Which is pretty normal. Oh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that I picked up on, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: We, 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 we tend to be, you know, bad with that. It's just, this is why we don't make plans, John.
0: Yeah, when was the last time I did the Cantonese bit with Sean? We can't even tell you because it's not consistent. <laughs> See, the thing is, what we're doing is we're teaching our listeners a broader lesson about being flexible, about going with the flow. Yeah, and let's call it that. Let's, let's pretend like this is a <laughs> so this lesson. This is the, that's, the that's... deep lessons of Jeet Kune Do and Wing Chun, which is to, you know take things as they come and not have a rigid mind <laughs> or we're just really bad at executing you know what you sound you of of
1: sounded podcast. a little bit like Bruce Lee with that you know it hits all by itself like that was that was <laughs>
0: I do not hit. It hits all by itself. Right? <laughs> That's our podcast. <laughs> we do not talk. It talks all by itself. The moment we hit record, it, we, we just cannot control it anymore.
1: Oh, my um, God. Well, it was a lot of fun having you on the show, John. Pre- appreciate you coming on talking about everything. You, you're obviously a, uh, a well-informed, knowledgeable martial artist, and it was an honored to have you on. And, and we want to thank you for all the support of the uh, podcast. Yeah,
0: we really appreciate it. And uh, remember, you guys out there, uh, if you want to support us uh, besides posting and, and letting people know about it, you can also support us on Patreon. we got a page out there. John is a supporter. We have other supporters we'd love for you to hop on. We
2: can do more things when we have more support from you guys. And we'd appreciate it. Hey, and thanks for having me on, guys. And uh, keep doing a good job. Thanks very much. Thank Ken. you. Up to six letters, Sean. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to our latest episode. Please help us get the word out there by sharing this and other episodes on your favorite social media platforms. If you're enjoying the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, there are many ways in which you can support it. Go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out how you can help your favorite Kung Fu podcast. We are currently using Patreon to automate great benefits to those who support the podcast. As a supporter of the Dudes, you'll get early access to episodes as well as a number of other benefits based on your donation level. This includes in-depth topic lectures and even monthly live video conferences with the Dudes. Again, go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out more about that. As always, you can help support us in small ways as well. Give us a like at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page and share links to episodes. If Twitter's your preferred social media outlet, you can follow the Dudes of Kung Fu there as well. Both Big Sean Madigan and yours truly are on Twitter too. Dudes of Kung Fu is now also on Instagram, so tag it along with the hashtag Dudes of Kung Fu whenever you post something related to the podcast. A great way to support the Dudes is to rate and review it on either the iTunes or Android app stores. The written reviews are immensely more helpful than just giving us a five-star rating. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, please write us at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. Please understand that neither Sean nor I can guarantee a response, but we will consider any serious suggestions. And finally, I ask that you help spread an open dialogue with other practitioners of martial arts. Chinese Kung Fu in particular has long since suffered from caustic political discourse, which can only change with you. Remember, the person you wholeheartedly disagree with doesn't love martial arts any less than you do. Take care, and thank you for supporting the Dudes of Kung Fu!